Good afternoon, friends. Welcome to another grand and glorious afternoon in the best little city in America. Enjoy them while you can, people. Uber producer Dan Peters and I will be here for the next two hours of lively conversation on news and politics, sports and leisure, arts and entertainment. But we have a special, special edition today. A co-host. We have a co-host. Welcome back to the KSO studio, none other than the founder and chancellor of Viewpoint University, the former mayor of Sioux Falls, current master of the seas, <laughs> my mentor, the incomparable Rick Noby. Captain Noby, welcome back. Thank you. Co-host. Yeah, co-host. How's that? I don't want no stinking co-host. <laughs> you keep your mouth shut. I'll talk for the next two hours. <laughs> That's fine. I'll be running the board here for uh, Captain Noby. Nice to see you, Patrick. Dan, well, nice to see you. Thank you, Rick. Appreciate that. Yeah. Good to see you again. Yeah, I kind of got the, you know, we, we've we been together before in sort of a different, you know. Different thing, yeah. Yeah, now it's, you're on the wrong side of the, the yeah. uh, board there. You're sitting in the chair. Yeah. And um, some people called it the throne. <laughs> the, the chair. And I'm uh, I'm off on the side over here, which is fine. It's fine. Yeah. The, um, so what are we going to do today? Uh, we're just going to talk about some stuff that's going on. Isn't that how you used to run the show? You just turn on the machine much. And, and then start talking? Yeah, pretty yeah, much. That's pretty much what we're going to do. You want to talk about the price in tea in China today? Yeah, <laughs> that's right. We're going no, to talk about uh, news, politics, sports and leisure, arts and entertainment. As I said yesterday, it's like a radio version. Arts. Well, a little arts. bit. Arts? Well, sometimes. It's okay. a it's a it's a broad interpretation of the arts. Maybe the broadcast arts. How's that? There you go. That'll work. Uh, it's like a as I said yesterday. It's a, a radio version of Trivial Pursuit. I'm all for it. Let's get started. All we need is science and nature. We don't have any of that. Uh, so, how have you been spending your time? By the way, you're you've been back in town for since about the first part of October and yeah. um, helping a family member with some. Uh, medical issues and uh, getting that resolved. And so that was the reason that I came back. And, and uh, so that's, that's the primary purpose. I've been in contact with all kinds of people, uh, reconnecting with friends and some acquaintances and uh, people that are, we've got an election next year, you know. Oh, that's and, right. And uh, for uh, mayor and city council. And it's amazing how smart I've gotten <laughs> <laughs> over the years because people are seeking me out. Saying, oh, my gosh. How do you do this? How do you do that? What do you do when you get the job? What's it like? All yeah. that stuff. So it's been fun. So you've become sort of a shaman. I would prefer to say statesman. <laughs> okay. Shaman just doesn't sound good. Oracle? I'm, that's yeah. too high. <laughs> okay, Statesman's fine. fine. So, if people don't know, most people know. But to catch them up, you retired last early la- last year or this year, early March thirty first. Yeah, yeah. And then you uh, hit the high seas. You got a boat and uh, spent some time rolling around down there in Florida. Yep. And you now are gonna are you gonna go back to Florida this yes. year? Okay. Yeah. After um, I've got a, a couple of things I got to get done. Uh, for myself, and so I'm going to leave here sometime the middle of January and go back to Florida and get on the boat and enjoy myself. And never look back, right? Well, no, I'm always going to look back. (laughs) Uh, I have really fond memories of of Sioux Falls. Sioux Falls was good to me, and I think I was good to Sioux Falls, and I've got my family's here, my friends are here, so uh, it's not like I deserted the place or anything. And And you are still got your hand in some policy stuff, right? I'm doing some stuff. I'm on a state board. Really? Which one? I am on the Board of Elections. Oh, sweet. And I was appointed as an independent. That's even 
to the Board of Elections. First time there's ever been an independent on the Board of Elections. That funnels through the Secretary of State's office. Oh, that wasn't by the GWD, Governor Dennis Dugarden? No. Okay. No. The person who nominated me and spoke in my behalf is going to be one of your guests. Today? Today. Was that uh, Mr. Blake Kurd? Yes, Senator Kurd. Wow, he'll be in today. Yeah, and I'm going to thank him first and then cuss him out. Then we're going to grill him. And then did you know what you were doing to me by putting me on this board? No. Actually, he probably didn't, but that's okay. It's a great board. Oh, cool. And we have that. Nobody knows about the State Board of Elections, but we help write maintain, create rules, update laws and rules having to do with elections across the state of South Dakota. And so in in this constantly changing world of elections and election methods of voting and the machines and vote by mail and all that kind of stuff, we we are the group that deals with the proposals, ideas, when we, when the flaws are found, those flaws come through us to recommend changes. And the legislature obviously has to pass the laws. Yeah, but they don't know what they're doing. So they Well, take that's every- why they've got <laughs> us. And, and it's an interesting group. There's a couple of uh, county auditors. There are, there are two lawyers. And there's a Republican, there's a Democrat, and I'm an independent. No. So, so how often do you have to be here for that? Oh, the first meeting I did... From the, from the flying bridge on my boat nice. in Florida over the phone. And the last one, which we had just, uh, let me see, it was the middle of October. Uh, I actually went to Pier for that. Wow. And sat great. in the room. That was fun. Uh, well, during your time here today, I hope not to mess things up too badly. Um, it's, you know, You're doing fine so far. Yeah, well, everything has played that's supposed to play. Yeah. And I think that's key. Yeah. So there's a, there may be a few. Do you still have commercials that need to be played? Uh, yeah. Are we coming up on a commercial break here fairly soon? We are fairly, fairly soon. But you know, there's always a lot of flexibility there, Rick. Yes, that's right. That's why Dan's here to, Dan has been bailing me out now for exactly six months today. Really? Six months ago today was the first Patrick Lally show. And oh, how far we've come. Yeah, I haven't worn a hole in the bucket yet. That's for sure, <laughs> with all this bailing. <laughs> it's true. You should see it. Congratulations, six months. Well, thank you very much. And yeah, yeah when do you get, are you going to get tenure then, or do you think? Or? I think so. Isn't that how that works? Don't we have a, some sort of collective bargaining unit? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's not a, happening. This is broadcasting, and B, it's broadcasting in South Dakota. Yeah, collective bargaining, right. surely you jest. They're going to take that away from the regents now, you know, or the, uh, well, the faculty. Yeah. That's, that's another proposal. That's something we can talk about that would a little be great. later on. That would be great. Uh, while you're here, as it turns out, we have a great show, and we have other guests other than Rick Noby, but not many. Um, in addition to co-hosting for the day, the good captain and I will chat about the state of things in the second hour. The common man will be with us for Weird Friends after the news at the bottom here in a minute. We'll talk with Tom Jansa of Dakota Golf Management. Of course, they, uh, Dakota Golf Management managed the city's golf courses for 20-odd years and then lost the contract, and initially things seemed okay, but now they're not, and it's going to come up at the city council meeting tonight, so we'll talk to Tom about that. Senator, Senate Majority Leader Blake Kurd, as we mentioned, will join us after four to talk about his announcement yesterday that the legislature will hold training on legislative ethics, professionalism, and sexual harassment. That should be a fun half hour with Blake. And I'll have the PL statement with some input from the good captain just after the next break. Today's topic, we're going to talk taxes. What else? This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 
317 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. Closer to free here on the Patrick Lally Show, and it's time for the P&L Statement, where we go through the news of the day and reflect, you know, advise, consent, that sort of thing. And we've got, of course, a special edition today. We'll see what the good former mayor, current captain of the seas, Rick Noby, has to say about some issues that are facing our fine, fine community these days. First off, uh, you probably saw there was a story by Mr. Jonathan Ellis, frequent guest on the show, who's actually going to be on the show tomorrow, so we'll ask him about this. But it looks like the uh, Department of Justice is investigating the collapse of the Copper Lounge building last year. Um, the, there had been a OSHA uh, investigation, obviously, right after the collapse that killed one person and injured another, and that was suspended uh, not so long ago, in lieu of and waiting for this criminal investigation, which comes just after we approved the big dang deal with the new downtown parking ramp and hotel, which wouldn't be that big a deal, except the guy who was running the construction company that was tearing down the Copper Lounge is part of the company that got the deal to do the parking ramp and the hotel. They're not going to let him anywhere near blueprints or anything no. like that, are they? No, Shovels? No, no hammers. Okay. And it should be said because, um, and as Greg Neitzert has said, Counselor Greg Neitzert, the optics on this could not be worse. Oh, yeah. But this is, he has a financial interest in legacy. He ran a construction company. He's not going to be involved in digging any holes or anything like this. But it still looks bad. Uh, I don't know what legacy could have done. Um, would, does his does his involvement in legacy just mean they can't do any city projects ever again? I, is that fair to uh, Norm no. Drake and the kids? No, no, it doesn't seem like it. But man, does it look bad? Well, your your gut tells you it's wrong on so many levels. Yeah. But then the reality of it is, the legacy corporation is. A multitude of people. Mm-hmm. He happens to be one of several people involved in that corporation. And they've got a right to bid on projects. They've got a right to, to do that. And hopefully they will do it well if, if this project moves ahead. You're right. The optics is not good. But I don't see where you punish an entire investment group for the alleged mistakes and according to the the news story, possible criminal of, of one per, per criminal activity of one person. By the yeah. way, I don't think there's going to be any criminal charges on this. Well, I don't think there's, I don't think there was, it, it's a tragedy. Apparently protocols were broken and I'm saying apparently like allegedly, and I'm sure there's all kinds of litigation going on that you and I know very little about as a result of that. That'd be criminal criminal negligence, and that's a hard, that's a high bar. It, it is. It's a very high bar. And we don't know, we don't actually know what the criminal investigation is about. Yeah. Yeah. We're, We're assuming just it has to do with the collapse of the building, but it may be a criminal investigation about this guy's construction company separate we don't as have, a part of it. Yeah, yep. we don't know. It, they and, found a bunch of stuff, and we don't know what it is. And I'm sure if we called... Um, Attorney General Sessions and asked him about it. He would not know 
anything about it at all. No. Just like his contacts with Russia. That's I know right. nothing. I don't recall I ever don't recall. meeting any of those people. Yeah. Uh, so we'll be watching that. But it does. It just is going to make a bunch more chatter about that hotel. Sure. And that'll be fun to watch. For Are there petitions circulating? Because there was, was it Teresa Staley or somebody that said, uh, we want to refer this? And I, I haven't seen any petitions. I haven't seen her. any petitions. She's, I think she's going to ask again tonight for them to wait until they find out what's going on. Like, put a halt on everything. Yeah, I don't think they're going to do that. I don't yeah, think but I think if everything goes according to plan, it should become active on the 29th of this month. Right. And I don't think they're going to stop doing that. But she'll probably, they'll, they'll talk about it. Yeah. We'll see. Okay. Hey, for, as you know, being in the AM radio talk show business, it's gold. Oh, yeah, this is good <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it's very good stuff. Uh, speaking of gold and the hope that we'll have more of it in coming days, tax cuts passed the House today. It's going to pass the Senate tonight, probably. Um, you know, it's uh, the, the, the Republicans are doing their victory lap, okay, which is fine. That's what you do, right? Uh, Paul Ryan said today that, uh, you know, this is the greatest example of a promise being made and a promise being kept. And he was asked about it being widely unpopular, which it is. Uh, he insisted that, quote, results are going to make this popular. <laughs> well, but here's the You're going to like it. And you're going to yeah, like shut it. up, and you're going <laughs> to like it. I there there's obviously I have not read the whole bill. No, I'm like everybody else. I've just been following the news stories and reading analysis here, there, and everywhere. There's there's in my humble opinion, the fact that it increases the deficit by one point some trillion dollars over the next decade. We like to say trillion dollars, trillion dollars <laughs> over the next decade. I think is just absolutely horrible particularly when you consider that the Congress and the presidency are controlled by alleged conservatives who are frugal with our money, and they're proving that they're not. Because if we're going to, it's ridiculous to have it. It shouldn't go up at all, but it certainly shouldn't go up that much. These are people who have been complaining about Obama spending. Yeah, exactly. And then the other part of it is, and, and I fault them all for this, and John Thune happens to be the senior guy in our delegation. Senator Thune, you took care of the fat cats with permanent tax cuts. The regular schleps that vote for you in South Dakota, we got temporary tax cuts that are going to expire in, what, four or five years. So how come you took care of the rich people that give you money and the people that vote for you, you, what, what? Made a promise. Made a promise. We kept a promise. Yeah. Well, and here's here's my problem. Okay, so the president <laughs> tweets out, you know, he says this is the greatest thing ever. And he was tweeting this morning, of course. He said, Dow rise, all caps. Of course. Dow rises 5,000 points on the year for the first time ever. Make America great again. He also says, stocks in the economy have a long way to go after the tax bill. Tax cut bill is totally understood and appreciated in scope and size. Immediate expensing will have a big impact. Biggest tax cuts and reform ever passed. Okay, there's no reform. Enjoy and create many beautiful jobs. Well, unemployment can't go any lower, okay? So we don't need any more jobs. We need better jobs. We need a trained workforce. We don't need tax cuts for people who already have all the money. And this is what, and you can't put your stock in the stock market or in the short term. Every investor will tell you, every single one of them who's made any money in the stock market will tell you it's the long game. Right. There's going to be a correction. 
Yes. And the, and they're at, every financial person that I've talked to, and I've talked to a couple since I've been back here, and some of the ones I've talked to in Florida, everybody's giddy over the fact that the markets, it's a bull run. It's a heck of a bull run. Mm-hmm. But the bull's going to run out of steam. Be ready. Yeah. And when he runs out of steam and the bear takes over, it's going to be a fall, and, it, and it's going to be as many months as it's gone up, it'll go down probably twice as fast. Mm-hmm. It might not go down as far to get it back to what it was at the beginning of the year. But this cannot sustain itself. And you are correct. Everything you do with investing money, you got to look at the long haul. Yeah. Minim, minimum three years and more likely 10 to 15 years out. That's what you got to be looking at, if in my gonna, opinion. If you're going to measure the success of your presidency based on the stock market, you're setting your own self up for failure. Yeah. That, good luck with that. Well, every Trump is no different than every other president that I've ever witnessed. Yeah. When the economy is great, it's president gets the credit. Yeah. When the economy tanks, it's those stupid businessmen or the dumb Congress. Yeah, that's exactly right. And here's the other part of this, just quickly, is this idea that cutting taxes for corporations, which is fine, okay? You, the corporate tax rate is too, it's too dang high, okay? There's no doubt about that. But the idea that they're going to take that money and reinvest it is just poppycock. It's poppycock, pure and simple. They've never done it. They never will because that's not what a corporation does. What, corp- does a, what does a corporation do? Corporations are people, my friend, which they're not. Um, but the they're not going to raise wages. They're not going to reinvest. They're going to re- they're going to buy back their own stock, and they're going to pass the profits on to their stockholders, the other fat cats. Okay, and that's fine. You should be rewarded for success in this country, but don't try and justify it by saying, oh, no, it's going to come to you, too, because it's not coming to me. It's not. The opinions expressed (laughs) by Mr. Lally are strictly his and nobody else's that we can think of. No, no. Well, that's exactly right. There's all kinds of things in the weeds on this deal. The active versus passive uh, investment strategy, that's a huge deal. You talk about taking care of the fat cats. Passive income Mm -hmm. now will not be taxed, but active income will be. They flipped it. And so if you own your own company and you invest in your own company, you're going to pay some tax on that. If I invest in your company, I'm a passive investor. I'm not actively involved in it. I'm going to get a a bigger tax break than you are. Doesn't make sense. It doesn't make sense at all. We're already behind, so we're going to take a break here and come back with the the, – Common Man on Weird Friends, this is the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. 335 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000, KSOO. And I am joined for the duration by Hizana, the former mayor of Sioux Falls and chancellor of this fine radio program when it was Deep Viewpoint University. Sitting in for the Weird Friends segment, and we welcome back on a Tuesday afternoon, the Common Man, Mister Common. Are you uh, are you enjoying the last of these golden days? Oh, it's beautiful. Yeah, beautiful stuff. And gosh, what what a treat to have I mean, Mister Novi with us. It's uh, in the presence of greatness again. That's it's, it's amazing. Keep it I, up. I was really enjoying your you guys' conversation about the, the tax plan in the when. In, in, and uh, Senator Thune saying, you know, if people don't understand how this is going to work, it's it's going to be great. In my experience, is you know, anytime 
the politician says, you know, no offense, Rick. <laughs> I'm not a politician. I'm, I'm, I've been out of I'm, I've been out of public office for longer than you've been alive. I, I'm now a statesman. So go ahead. But as Randy would say, you, know, you and your ilk. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm I'm an independent now, buddy. So I'm I'm completely divorced from these people. <laughs> but it is uh, any politician says, trust me, start running the other way as yeah. fast as you possibly can. Yeah, but uh, it's it's been interesting, and, and I've enjoyed your conversation. You know, it feels like to me, this is like walking in a Van Halen jam session, and both David Lee Roth and Sammy Hagar. Are there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is Pretty a awesome. rare treat. It is it a rare is. treat. We're happy to have you with us on this glorious day. Are you uh, speaking of the big gift you have coming in your tax bill? Are you hmm. fully into the holiday spirit? Have you got the uh, the common man uh, tinsel up and the uh, common oh. man? Uh, Christmas just, decorations. We've, you know, me and Mrs. Common have been in, enjoying their traditions, and one of hers uh, is, you know, the, the second Thanksgiving has passed. All, you know, all music in the common abode has to be turned to Christmas music. So that's every car radio, house radio, iPad, earpad, brake pad, ink pad. <laughs> <laughs> it has to have Christmas music on it. That's terrible. And then, you know, and she, and she says it's to get you into the Christmas holiday spirit. Uh, and I think it's the same sort of behavioral training they've had for the Manchurian candidate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, from what I, I think, from what I remember about you, inundating you uh, would not with Christmas music wouldn't put you into the Christmas spirit. It may cause you to seek out the <laughs> Christmas spirits <laughs> oh, of, the, true, right? of the fermented grape kind or that whatever. That is absolutely true. Yeah. And, you know, as, as I like to say about my bride, I said, she drives me to drink and that's the nicest thing I can say about her. <laughs> A little of the brown for Christmas spirit. Um, <laughs> but, you know, don't you think, Patrick, if, after you've heard Jingle Bells, in every possible musical derivation, I mean, th- th- does that get you in the spirit? Or sometimes I wonder if listening to the Beastie Boys version of Come All Ye Faithful <laughs> is what the Almighty had in mind. I don't think so. I've been trying, I've been seeking out, you know, we did a whole segment with uh, Mr. Hudson the other day on mm-hmm. good Christmas music. Cheap Trick does have a new Christmas album. <laughs> Great. And what they've done is they've taken some of their old songs and like Christmas ties them, Christmas ties them, holiday ties them. So at least it's a it's a variation on the theme. <laughs> the father's all right. Yeah. Mother's all right. <laughs> it's a, yes. It's something it seems like that. a little weird. Yeah, yeah. It does seem a little weird. <laughs> um, so are but are you you're doing okay though? What? Oh yeah, and then, you know we've had to start drinking Tom and Jerry's. Oh god. <laughs> so if you you know if you in, in uh, is it like 1962 over at your place, or oh, how's that roll? Oh, it's totally, you know, it's Mad Men all over again. <laughs> yep, you got to drink a Tom and Jerry's out of little, cute little cups. You know, and for, for those of you who aren't familiar with Tom and Jerry's, it's, you know, it's a drink with brandy and rum and hot water and sort of a special goopy batter that's one part meringue and two parts sugar cookie <laughs> with a sprinkle of nutmeg on top. <laughs> So, uh, you know, basically it's the perfect drink if you, uh, your, your goal is to be both an alcoholic and a diabetic. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And with a horrible headache the next morning. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's about eight pounds of sugar and with rum and brandy. And, but, you know, it has to be done. And I often think of the movie Elf, you know, it, with Will Ferrell, you know, with having uh, 
candy canes and you know yeah, it's exactly. it's the so, ultimate sugar high yeah <laughs> hey not to get off the holiday thing but i just remembered uh mm-hmm. uh the weekend of sports um sorry about your packers man it's all over there was no well, there was no magic left in those hands well the thing that you got to remember patrick is is sports it's, it's they're like little mini movies you know games are like mini movies football seasons are like mini movies and it's but the better part is the best Start of entertainment because you really don't know how it's going to end, mm-hmm. and so if you look at it that way, it's it's the it's the greatest thing. Some movies are you know some movies are it's a wonderful life, and this year it's Old Yeller, <laughs> <laughs> and the Packers are the one that dove into the uh, yeah yeah it's not good yeah you know it's it was time to it's time to take them out, and close their eyes you know yeah and put two in the two in the back behind the ear for oh. the old pack this year and that's that's how it goes but it, but as much as everybody complains, and everybody complains, mm-hmm. football, the NFL, this, the NFL, that, I turned around and I said, well, the gentleman I was with, I said, that's, you guys are really down on the NFL, but that's all you've talked about for two hours. <laughs> that's right. So how, how bad can they be doing? It's, it's entertainment, right? You yes. are engaged. It's made you feel mm-hmm. something in your little, uh, you know, disastrously boring soul, <laughs> it's moved you in a way to be to get angry about it. And so, much like politics, uh, religion, and all the other things that we're not supposed to talk about, it makes for great conversation. Yeah, thank, thank God, or I wouldn't have anything to do. <laughs> um, so, but it is Saturday night is, the, is your uh, uh, one chance at, at uh, you know, re- uh, what am I trying to say? Respect. Uh, well, uh, revenge, you know, the, uh, they the play the Vikings yep, Saturday night. The, 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 the pillaging Vikings come to Green Bay to, to, you know, they want their they want their pound of flesh to sweep over the Packers to be the, the star in the top of their little Christmas tree. We'll see. Here's here was the scenario that we had worked out for the long suffering Vikings fans. Mm-hmm. So. I thought Green Bay was going to win that game, and you know, it's gone some glorious role where they get into the playoffs, right? And it, the the Vikings are able to somehow manage to get the NFC Championship game at Minnesota, mm. set up to play the Super Bowl at Minnesota, mm. and lose it on some sort of you know sixty five yard underhanded huck by Aaron Rodgers that bounces off three Vikings and lands in, you know, Jordy's arms in the end zone. And it's the Packers playing in the Super Bowl in Minnesota. That was the scenario that would just crush every poor Viking soul. <laughs> uh, well, it'll get to the NFC championship game. They'll play it. And somehow, you know, they'll be like Moses looking across at the promised land, just within their grasp and to have it taken away from them. As it always happens, yeah. you know. You, you think know, I, I you think talk about sports as entertainment. That's they've seen this movie before. <laughs> well, yeah. This the the Vikings have done a magnificent job back in their heyday. Tarkington was quarterback many many years ago, the scrambling guy, and they snatched defeat from the jaws of victory more than once. <laughs> yeah. And and whether it's the NF uh, whether it's the uh, NFC Championship game or whether it's the Super Bowl, yep. the Vikings when when it really was important. They couldn't get there, and so I'm I'm happy for my Vikings fans, friends. I really am. It's enjoy it, enjoy the moment because that's all it is. You can you can <laughs> feel it coming, can't you? Yeah. I said, how how is it rolling that rock up the hill? <laughs> <laughs> it feels good right up until the end, yeah, to the top. Hey, oh. 
<laughs> Mr. Common Man, thanks for joining us today. We'll talk to you next week. It's a pleasure. Happy holidays, gentlemen. Coming up after the break, it's Tom Jansa from Dakota Golf Management. He's headed to the city council tonight to speak his piece. We'll find out what he's going to say. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 347 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. I fell into a ring of fire. We are joined by Mr. Tom Jansa of Dakota Golf Management. Who has jumped into a burning ring of fire? Uh, Tom, I can, sing, I can sing it for you. Maybe I bring my guitar. I'll sing down there at the at the at the council meeting tonight. I'm that would think. be that would be awesome. I actually was looking for uh, wagon wheel. Couldn't find. I couldn't yeah. find a version of wagon wheel for you. But um, yeah. uh, Tom, of course, uh, not only is he been running Dakota Golf Management for twenty three odd years. But he also is the front man for the Crabgrass Crew, one of your finer musical operations in the Sioux Falls area. Thank you very much. But that's not why you're here. You're here because you, uh, Dakota Golf Management, has held that contract to run the three city golf courses for 23 years, I believe the number is. And right. uh, it went to uh, the Lincoln Company, uh, Pinnacle, isn't that what they're called? Uh, Landscapes Sorry. Unlimited. Landscapes yeah. Unlimited. Pinnacle was the other one. Pinnacle is the food guys, yeah. Yeah. And so. Uh, initially you were saying nice things about this, um, but things seem to have taken a turn. Uh, you sent out an email to your, uh, uh, basically your season pass holders saying that you now have concerns. You got, you invited everybody to a meeting last night out at, uh, at, uh, the golf course and Prairie Green. What happened? What happened, uh, in the, in the, in the meeting between, yeah, yeah, well, well, yeah. I mean, the the, the um, landscapes was announced. I mean, we were, um, you know, we, we knew we we might not win, so we were prepared to make ourselves available uh, for employment. For you know, I got a bunch of people that depend on me at Dakota Golf. So I mean, we were willing to listen to what a you know non Dakota Golf selection might look like, and we were really initially encouraged because one of landscape's selling points to the city was how how great they thought Dakota Golf was, and and how they were going to keep everybody, um, you know, on and just build upon our success, and you know, that, so that kind of you know eased everybody's mind. I guess it was a soft landing. Obviously, our preference would have been to been selected. That's what we what we wanted, um, but you know, um, you don't always get what you want. So uh, we decided to try to make the best of it. And in the background, you know, so we did that in the, in the public sphere to calm everybody down and, you know, kind of, kind of smooth the transition, you know, and for you know, the hopes that things would, would work out. But in the background, there were, there were a couple of issues that were really hot button issues for me that I thought would also be real hot button issues for the city. And they just, um, they, they didn't, uh, act on them until the last minute and they left us in this position where um we're we're at odds over all of the the assets that dakota golf owns at the golf course and if the city's not going to my feeling is that the city is not going to treat me fair on my on my on the the assets of dakota golf physical and 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 intangible that they that they're you know relying on for the success of their operation um i can't i can't support it that makes sense yeah, Tom, uh, Rick Noby here. So enlighten us a little bit. The land that the golf course is on, that's city land, right? Correct. Okay. And so the assets that you're talking about are the the golf carts, the uh, 
the golf balls that you have for the driving range, uh, the lawnmowers, the pins, all the stuff that you need to uh, run the golf course, cash registers and stuff, those are the assets that you're talking about that you haven't worked on an agreement with the city on, correct? Correct, correct. And the, and the, and the reason that Dakota Golf is the, is the, you know, owns those assets is because 23 years ago, the city elected to get out of the business of running the golf courses. They essentially privatized or leased the operation to us. So as a less, as a less, or we, we were responsible for all these years for for investing in all of the equipment and the things that you see in the technology while the city had no, no responsibilities other than to cash the checks that we uh, provided them by virtue of the of the operation at the golf courses. So, so you own the lawnmowers and the tractors and the irrigation system that's above the ground. That's all yours. Correct. Okay. Every, yeah, it's basically if you just bare walls in the in the clubhouses, offices, and uh, and maintenance yards. This is emptiness. Is basically. Uh, what they're looking at if they if if they have to start from scratch. Correct. So, so when the city decided to award the contract to somebody else, did the city uh, start talking with you about okay, how do we do this transition? Well, I mean, I, I certainly was the was the first thing that I talked to him about. I said this is a very both parties. First of all, I thought I was going to be dealing with the other company. I never I never envisioned a scenario where the city would elect to become essentially the purchaser of the equipment and have to have to invest up front you know uh, probably well over a million dollars to get to get started uh, i always thought i'd be sitting across the table from somebody else in the golf industry we kind of talk the same language you know uh, they want to they're they're very high on us they value our human capital our human assets highly uh, our goodwill is worth a lot i mean they they're they're counting on us to to make for a smooth transition, I thought it would be business to business. We'd figure something out, and so I never, I never envisioned a scenario, and it wasn't really contemplated in the RFP that the city was prepared to make this huge investment. So, yeah, immediately I said, "Wow, we got to get this figured out." And I actually, you know, as as I learned more about it, I thought, "Well, they they really." I feel like they really should have almost been to come to me the day after they made their announcement at Landscapes and said, you know, here's here's how we want to deal with this equipment, and we already figured out how much we think it's worth, and here's what we're willing to give you, and we'd had two months to, you know, hash it out, and and but they didn't get me uh, their number until you know December eighth, uh, five days before the park board meeting, and I always told them I'm not gonna, I'll support the deal now in the interim, um, while you know to to you know, smooth the waters and, and calm everybody down. But in the end, I'm not going to stand up in front of a park board uh, and or at the city council, either sit on my hands and say nothing when I'm, uh, when I'm left in an untenable position. Right. So, so did they um, just completely lowball you on a number then? Well, it's certainly how I, you know, how I, how I viewed it there. They'll have a different, they'll have a different perspective on it. But I mean, I've, I've been in the business a little, a little while and mm-hmm. I, I know three golf courses, what it takes. I know what we've got. I shopped the number around that they gave me to people that I respect in the industry, and and you know, and I've tried to not be pejorative here, but it's 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 we're getting down to the last minute, and I don't really have much to lose. It's laughable, and so I mean, there you could that's say all I feel about it. you could say no, you could say no and sell it to uh, right. whoever you wanted to sell it to. Exactly, I, you know, and I don't, I don't have, you know, this is a, you know, the business propositions are are I. I'm willing to sell it for X and you're willing to sell it for Y. And if X doesn't equal Y, then you don't have a deal. And I'm, 
I'm okay. I just don't have to, I don't have to, uh, um, you know, just fade into the woodwork. I mean, I'm, I, I'm now going to lobby that Dakota golf really deserves the right because they the city doesn't have to spend a dime on equipment. My proposal is to do just what I've always done, um, or operate the courses at no risk to the city and no cost for equipment. And, and it, it pales to me in comparison, uh, without even adding in the fact that, you know, to do the RFP, at this juncture, with Elmwood not even giving us one year of operation, mm-hmm. uh, for to have Elmwood back up and running normally is, is seems like it's pretty unfair to most people that that I've talked to. I mean, we, we the same reason in 1994 when the, they wanted to give it to an outside company, and the golfer says, "Why why wouldn't you give the guys a shot?" Um, and that's kind of where we think we are again. I know we're talking for we're talking inside baseball, inside golf a lot right. here on this thing, and uh, a little bit. We don't want people's eyes to start glazing over and, and turn yeah, the radio do. someplace else. <laughs> no, we don't. Well, you might, but we don't. Um, give us, and I realize you're on the losing end of this thing, at least so far. What's the fundamental difference between the proposal that you had and the winning proposal? Is it a percentage of the profits, or was that the tipping point, or were there other factors? Well, you know, the, the, you've been through your, this RFP, you know, you're probably familiar. They have a scoring, you know, uh, 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 grid that has different factors, financial capability, business plan. Some of it's numbers, some of it's intangibles, some of, you know, whatever, which adds up to a hundred points. And the, and the, so that's what they're, they're basing their selection on. But as far as the proposals themselves, uh, prior to the Elmwood, you know, renovation, which kind of blew up, you know, the, the, uh, the way we normally do business, the, the, our original Dakota golf deal was, like I said, it was a, it was a lease. The city got a guaranteed uh, percentage of the revenues. They didn't have any operating expenses. They had no uh, capital equipment expenses. They could build clubhouses. They could, you know, build cart paths with their half a million dollars a year. And that's about what it was. We gave $9 million in revenue sharing payments to the city uh, up until, you know, Elmwood um, went under the knife. And obviously when, when the revenues go away, that kind of threw everything into a, a different situation. But everybody knew that going in, um, that, you know, where Elmwood's going to come out on the other end, fantastic, and it's a great investment, but there's going to be a little pain in, in, in the interim. So now we do the RFP, and the city states in the RFP, they want to get back to a lease. It's their number one goal. We like what we had before, and they should. No risk. No, you know, no cumbersome city equipment purchasing, you know, deals. Let the private company do it and 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 uh, and assume all the risk. So that's the proposal that that we made. It, it was early for us. I mean, it's tough to, without having a year or two, you know, of of yep. of, of post renovation data. But I mean, we're we're bullish on ourselves and we're bullish. So we said, well, if that's what they want, we're going to give it to them. We're going to we're going to we're going to make it work. Okay, Tom. And the LU proposal is just the opposite it's they they don't have any investment or any yeah. deal the city is back in the business of running the golf courses so tom i go. really appreciate it you're going to go to city council tonight people can watch it on uh channel 16 yep. and and we'll follow up with you at some point so thanks a lot for taking okay. some time for us i really appreciate it yeah no problem uh, unglaze those eyes yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is the patrick lally show information 1000 ksoo Four oh seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Information one thousand KSOO. God rest you, merry gentlemen. Let nothing and, uh, you dismay. We're trying to get in the holiday Remember spirit here with a little Christmas music. And uh, in that spirit, we thought, you know, why not bring in Blake Kurtz, Senate Majority Leader of the South Dakota Senate, 
and uh, you know, just for just for a good time to get us all in the, in the spirit of things. Uh, Mr. Kurd, Dr. Kurd, thank you for being here today. Thanks. I guess your listeners can't see the hat with the jingle bell I'm wearing. No, you're you're very festive. You're very elf-like. Yes, thank you. Elfin. <laughs> the elfin, Senator Kurd. Thank you very much. I'm and, sure people will remember that. Out of everything that we say today, that'll be the one thing that'll probably stick. Yeah. Probably. <laughs> it's getting we, very crowded. It's a sad commentary you're for all kidding. of us. I'm not kidding. Yeah. Getting very crowded here in the studio. We, uh, we have our co-host, Rick Noby, and we brought Blake in today. Uh, Senate Majority Leader Kurd, to talk about a uh, statement that you made yesterday, a press release, a policy change with the legislature that says you are instituting some ethics, sexual harassment, and uh, training, awareness training at the beginning of the, of the session. Um, first of all, with every obviously there's a lot going on in the world of sexual harassment. That's an understatement. Why did you think you, you needed to do this for the South Dakota legislature? Well, that's an interesting question. I'm glad you asked me that. The legislature has had similar training before. Um, it's been several years, but this is not a new concept for the South Dakota state legislature. And certainly the rest of the leaders in the South Dakota capital and I have been discussing this subject and some ethics and professionalism training with an outside party for some time. And with the more national conversation that's going on now about sexual harassment. You can't hardly pick up your mobile device or the paper and not read about some other authority figure, whether it be in the entertainment industry or an elected office that's been accused of of some kind of behavior that was perhaps less than appropriate. And with the legislature only meeting January to March, we don't get all that many opportunities to address an issue um, as important as this. And so after some discussions with uh, Leader Sutton and uh, Leader Qualm in the House and, and Representative Hawley, um, the concept kind of bubbled up that it would be good to bring in some content matter, subject matter experts from external to the legislature and, and see if we couldn't perhaps make sure we all have kind of a state-of-the-art understanding of of professionalism, ethical behavior, and an elected official, and and sexual harassment training, because certainly the knowledge on that subject has expanded over this, the last several years. The the science behind it, if you will, I think has evolved. Um, it, it's certainly not the same training that I got in the United States Air Force about harassment and and uh, you know professionalism, ethics, and you know, fraternization, et cetera, et cetera. And I've, I've also had plenty of opportunities to have training in, in the, the professional businesses that I'm involved in, and that's changed over the years. So I think it was a good time to have a reset. Um, it was widely supported by the other leaders in our legislature. Um, I'm very happy about that, uh, and I think it's going to be a, a good kind of kickoff to the session. So how's this going to work? Is this going to be like you guys go into session and before the governor even gives his State of the State address, the training is going to go on. How? What's this going to look like? Yeah, thanks for the question. It's not uh, – our first week is fairly well set by the different things we have to do. The governor gives his State of the State address. We get the State of the Judiciary. There's some formative things that have to happen to really open the legislative session. And so the first calendar week is, is fairly well occupied with those kind of ceremonial and requisite duties that are required in statute. So – our training is going to be on the 17th. It's the, the first, well, I guess it'll be the second Wednesday of session. So in that second week, um, before the committees really get 
full of bills and, and people get very busy with other duties. All 105 of you in the same room at the same time, or how's that going to play out? We're going to have uh, my expectation, unless someone is uh, sick, ill, or physically unable to attend, that we'll have 105 elected legislators in the large uh, committee hearing room in the Capitol, as well as uh, the LRC staff will all be in attendance. So it's everyone that the legislator legislature has authority over that being sitting legislatures legislators sorry and and also LRC staff so that everyone has the same understanding kind of set of ground rules about the kind of behavior that's expected when we conduct people's business in the capital Blake you know that there's been a lot of allegations made about behavior in peer um, first done on Facebook by a, a few women who made very credible uh, it's told very credible stories. Incredible is a word that we throw around now, but it has changed kind of the discussion around what happens in peer. And I've been very critical of it. Had there developed a college town atmosphere during the session where sort of all, not all bets were off, but people were not maybe on the same behavior they would be back at home. Well, it's interesting. I think, you know, that period of time, it's uh a fairly intense environment for three months, as you might imagine. Most most of us that serve there are away from home from January through March, at least uh, for substantial periods of time, and and that breeds a certain level of familiarity among colleagues, I think. Um, I can tell you that uh, when I first was elected to the legislature in 2008, um, I didn't know really what to expect there. I was, I was pleasantly surprised by the level of professionalism from other legislators. Um, I didn't expect people to be calling me representative. I thought they'd just call me Blake, but that continues till today. We use our titles when we address each other or try to. And um, it's unfortunate that there are, are a, what I would say is a small group of people that have made probably some bad choices over a period of years. But uh, I have not ever personally seen any kind of the behavior that has been described either in a media post or in a story that's been written. But I, I guess that may be part of the problem is that when those things occur, they aren't they don't have a wide audience. So it, it may occur in, in areas where there aren't a lot of us around, although we are together quite a lot. We spend most of the day together in the Capitol, and then um, there are many different organizations that come and want to meet with us after hours. Sometimes um, it's at a dinner or a presentation that's informative, and so we, we do end up spending a lot of time together. And um, I, I have never seen it. Um, the only time that I'm aware that uh, Leader Qualm had been exposed to it was was last year when they had the issue with the representative that subsequently resigned. Woolman. So I um I just have not witnessed that kind of behavior, um, and I can't imagine that uh, people that are currently in leadership with me in the Senate would tolerate it had they witnessed it. So that's just that's the only comment I can make about it. Who's who's going to provide this training? Where's it coming from? So we're. South Dakota is part of the National Conference of State Legislatures, and they have a very talented set of people there that can do briefings and conduct training on a myriad of subjects. And so um, we're fortunate in that uh, Deb Peters from District 9 is current president of NCSL. So when we started to kind of put together the plan for how we might want to engage in this training, we wanted to be frugal and not spend spend $100,000 getting the training done, if you will. Um, we thought there might be some cost associated with it. So um, I asked Deb if, if they had some experts at NCSL that could conduct this training for us, and sure enough, they do. They have a, a group of people that are well-versed in the subject and have given similar presentations at other states. So we're going to use NCSL's resources and have them come in. 
Okay, just one more question. Is this an hour, two hours, three hours, a day or two? What's it going to be? Probably two to three hours in the afternoon on Wednesday. We're going to come right back and talk more with Senate Majority Leader Blake Kurd about the harassment and uh, ethics training that will be happening at the South Dakota State Legislature in January. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 418 on the Patrick Lally Show, Information 1000 KSOO. And we continue our our, our spirit of the holidays theme <laughs> with the boss, Bruce Springsteen, the Santa's coming to town. And actually, what we do is we have the big boss in here, who is uh, Senate Majority Leader Blake Kurd, big boss of the Senate anyway, and we're talking about some training that is coming to a legislator near you uh, about sexual harassment and ethics and... Uh, how to conduct yourself as a professional in many ways. Um, Blake, I want to, you've, you've done this obviously in reaction to a lot of conversation that's happened in, with regard to the broader issues of sexual harassment, but also some allegations specific to uh, uh, the South Dakota legislature. And I want to ask you one specific question before we get too wrapped up here. Okay. Should former Senator Gene Abdallah be appointed to the board of pardons and paroles, given the allegation that's been made against him uh, by a former lobbyist that he said some inappropriate things to her? That's a great question. So, um, you know, he has been appointed by the attorney general, as you know, so the Senate's job is to advise and consent. Confirmed, yeah, yes. And confirm him. So um, I, at this point, um, I would tell you that I think that that may be a challenge just based on the temperament and um, some of the feedback I've, I've heard on uh, Mr. Abdullah as a nominee. You know, uh, I've had discussions with the attorney general um, about it in just in broad brushstrokes and as we talk frequently about process and, and different things. And and this is a, you know, she cl- uh, lady claims that this happened. Uh, former Senator Abdullah says it didn't happen. So I, as far as I know, there weren't any witnesses or no. any, any auditory witnesses. It's, it's certainly a troubling set of uh, accusations that were made. Um, and, I, you know, if it was uh, truly something that didn't happen, I think the senator probably could have maybe answered the That's my next, with, with more skill. And my next home. question was, were you, are you bothered by his reaction, which was very, it was harsh, for lack of a better term. Well, it's, it's certainly uh, not the way I would have chosen to respond, given a, a similar set of circumstances. God forbid I ever tread in that particular path. Um so I think a lot of folks were somewhat surprised. I think the response um, is how I would have anticipated Senator Abdullah, uh, Mr. Abdullah, reacting. He's a very, very direct individual. You've probably discussed things with him before. I, I don't have to guess what, what he thinks. He tells me very directly. So I'm sure that uh, he had had enough of that accusation at the time, and um, at least his recount of the scenario is that it didn't happen. Um, in fact, I don't think he would even admit that he ever had a conversation with her of any kind. That's that's all I've ever uh, heard from his side of the story. So she was a lobbyist. So sure. are you saying and that as a lobbyist, she never had any contact with Gene Abdullah? She was an ACLU lobbyist. Sure, he was a, a law and order legislator running all kinds of criminal related uh, legislation. The idea that she would never talk to him is a bit absurd, no, isn't I mean, it? I don't mean never in her official capacity as a lobbyist. I think 
I think his statements were that he never talked to her in this. It's, you know, Do you believe easy. him? Do you believe Senator Abdallah? I've never, you know, it's a, I've never talked to him about it, Patrick. So I, I don't know. I, okay. I would, I mean, I mean, if I sat down across from him, looked fair. him in the eye, I, I just have. Never what are your conversations this. with the Attorney General about this? Uh, just along the lines of, you know, if this if this accusation was accurate, it's certainly troubling. And and the Attorney General echoed the same. He said, "I agree with you." And he said, "You know, Gene has said I, that never happened." Okay. So that's I left it at that with him. Oh, there's a lot of places we could go with it. But, but, uh, <laughs> I don't want to dwell on that for well, the entire but I, time. But I, I want to stay, I want to stay in this, the, the same basic subject matter cause on this training and stuff that you're going to do. Sure. Uh, we we can't change what was, but now we're, you're dealing with futuristic kind of stuff, and I'm glad of that. That's wonderful, and I applaud you for it. Yeah. The So what happens when the next allegation is made? After this training is done on the 17th of January, and all 105 plus the LRC staff – and somebody comes forward and says blank about blank, and this happened. How are we going to, as taxpayers, citizens of the state, what mechanism is there going to be to discern fact from fiction? That's a great question. Well, it depends on um, where the accusation is made, I think. If it's a member of the LRC staff, um, that'll certainly be handled by the executive director of the Legislative Research Council with oversight by the executive board. I sit on that board, so that would be handled there. If it's a matter concerning a sitting legislator, it, it's handled by the House where that legislator sits. So if it's in the South Dakota State Senate, it's brought to the attention of leadership. It takes two senators, and then we have a hearing about it, and we'll investigate it. And then based on the results of the hearing, we've been through those before in our state. You all have a memory, I'm sure, when that's happened before. And the, the list of, of uh, potential consequences exists from finding that there was no credibility to the accusation all the way up through expulsion from the chamber. So those things all exist. Uh, we're talking with Blake Kurd. He is Senate Majority Leader of the South Dakota Senate. Um, there is this notion uh, about, you talked about the nighttime, the, all the other activities that go on. Sure. You know, you have your daily meetings and all that. And then at night, there are uh, socials for various, sponsored by various organizations. Do you think that uh, free booze should be banned at these functions? I've never seen really anyone abuse it. I've never seen anyone in excess take advantage of the, um, let's say if they have wine with dinner or or perhaps there'll be a bottle of beer that you might have with a bowl of chili or something. I personally don't have any alcohol at night. I just don't do that. I don't think it's um, commensurate with my position as the as the leader. Um, um, not that I wouldn't have a glass of wine with dinner should the occasion arise, but um, I like to kind of keep my skill set sharp and, and pay attention, especially when people are there to meet with us. So um, others, you know, will have a glass of wine or a bottle of beer um, with their dinner or perhaps after the dinner is over. Um, you know, whether it should be banned or not, you know, we do have this gift limit now that's been imposed. So I think we're going to see and people. And what is it? It's, I can't remember how much it is. It's um, hundred dollars, I think, from any particular for the lobbyists, reasons. right? Yeah, and that's but it general. doesn't cover food and drink. It it doesn't. Um, Why do I, this is what I don't understand? Okay, beyond the whole sexual yeah. harassment thing, unfettered access to free booze seems like a bad idea. I think it can certainly be abused, like anything, right? I mean, that potential certainly exists. Then why allow interest groups, whoever it is? I don't, you know, you can pick one to basically supply elected officials and staff with free booze? That's a great question. We wrestled with that last session, as you know. 
Um, we neglected not to eliminate f- to eliminate food and beverage from the, because of s- there's so much education that also occurs at many of these events, um, and it's it's not as much. My experience has been it's not as much alcohol consumption as you as you might believe it to be. Um, not that not that people don't make errors in judgment. I'm mm-hmm. sure that exists, but I just, I have not seen it be a, a tremendous problem. Any final thoughts? Oh, there's, there's all <laughs> kinds of places we can go. Um, the one thing I, I want to compliment Senator Kurd on is, is he had the courage uh, this last legislative session to nominate and to appoint an independent <laughs> to a state board. And I happen to be that independent. Full disclosure. Uh, and the, yeah, I'm, I'm on the state election boards, which is a board most people, as we talked about earlier, haven't heard of. But it provides an extremely important function for the for the population of the state and for the legislature also. Sure. And I just thank you very much for doing that, because most of the time, if you got an R, you got to have an R or D behind your name to get appointed to much of anything. And some of that's even in statute, but it wasn't in this time. So thank you very much for that. Yeah. Um, t- two Quick things, and the first one's in my head, the second one disappeared. The budget, the governor's talking about a $34 million problem in the budget. Uh-huh. How are you going to fix that? Well, yeah, he gave us a starting point in his budget address. I mean, there there have been some spending reductions for the current fiscal year that, that he's proposed. One of the other ways to fill the hole is the governor's been very uh, resolute on keeping a s- amount of money set aside, about the 10% of our annual spending. That has some tremendous side benefits. It allows us to bond at a much higher uh, efficiency rate, allows our local school districts to also take advantage. So there's some additional money there. So through a reduction of expenditures on one side um, from the current fiscal year and then some of this budget excess uh, also will help. Um, And then we're going to have to take a really hard look, I think, as we talk about fiscal year 2019, about what our projections for revenue are. For the last couple of years, we've been – not very accurate, and the revenue's been declining. So, um, we're, we find ourselves in that in that same set of circumstances. And and I've been somewhat critical of the revenue estimation because of that. Um, we've gotten it wrong and successively wrong. And and I think that it's probably time for us to take a harder look at how we set revenue expectations. We started to do that in the legislature. We're very we're taking a very much more proactive um, attack in setting the priorities for the legislature and setting our budget and our revenue estimates, which are not necessarily the same as the governor's. And I'm sure we'll, we'll come to loggerheads about that again this year, like we did last year about whose numbers, right? Senator Blake Kurd, thank you very much for being with us today. I appreciate you stopping by for a very important, informative topic. Uh, And I know that we can reach out to you at any time on a moment's notice during this legislative session to get an update. Anytime. Yeah, that's outstanding. I'm sure he's got you on his speed dial. Well, (laughs) let's not go into that. Uh, But I appreciate you being here, and we'll be in touch again real soon. Thank you. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. Four thirty-seven on the Patrick Lally Show. Thought we'd get in the mood. Watching the sun For what? It's kind of a Florida state of mind. <laughs> Don't you think it's you know that take you back to Titusville and hang oh, yeah. on the boat? I'm I'm good. I got palm trees just you know within uh, about fifty feet of the boat and uh, all kinds of seagulls and pelicans and manatees around and 
Man, see, this is it. This is this is the life we want to live right here. There you go. We return to our conversation with former Sioux Falls mayor, former host of Viewpoint University in this time slot, and uh, you know, all around, you, you just you you become the shaman as we talked about. No, 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 yes. statesman. Don't do the shaman thing. That just has <laughs> just I I don't like that. Okay. I'll do the statesman thing. That's fine, but the shaman thing, I'm not quite ready to. Oh, go okay, there. that's fine. So we've been through a lot of topics today. This has been pretty aggressive programming for a co-host. I mean, considering, you know, we could have just sat here and talked for two hours, just you and I. We could have, but I'm glad Blake Hurd was in. I just, it's it's got to be really hard for somebody like Blake Hurd to be a Republican and be the Senate Majority Leader, both when you take a look at the national scene with the debacle of so many things that are going on in Washington, and and then taking a look at, at what's happened or not happened in Pierre the last couple of years, some of the proposals the legislature's come up with and um, that, that have got most people scratching their heads. So Blake is, Senator Kurt is in a, I think he's honest. I know he's sincere. I don't think he likes the gamesmanship. I don't think he's, he, he's not a party boy, a party guy at all from my experiences with him. And it's got to be really difficult for him in particular to to be the leader of the five ring circus up in pier. It's got to be very difficult. I think some days have to be very hard because, you know, he's a busy guy, runs a big organization. You know, he's I believe he's still president of the specialty hospital. Yeah. Uh, You know, he's an orthopedic surgeon. I I have to believe there are days when he the, the voice inside his head goes. What am I doing here? Yeah, all I I wanted to do is help people, you know, and and here we go. So anyway, I'm glad he was here, and there are, are, yeah, he he answered your questions. I think he did a good job. He always does. He's not afraid. I I hope that the folks in Pierre uh, will take this uh, sexual harassment stuff seriously. I believe probably most of them are, and he was right. All it takes is one or two. Out of the 105, all it takes is one or two people to be a little bit stupid or really stupid, and all of them get painted with the same brush. And that is unfortunate. But the problem has been, in my opinion, over the years, is that when people talk about misbehavior, bad conduct and stuff, oh, no, not us. No. No, no, not us, because we're just just good old boys and good old girls up here doing uh, the people's work, and we don't, none of that stuff happens. Well, we all know that's BS. Yeah, and that's the biggest problem, because immediately after this, these uh, issues started coming up around the Me Too movement and then hit locally. Um, I'm just point them out. Lieutenant Governor Matt Michael says, there is no problem. There's no problem. What are you talking about? There's he's no- got his head in the sand. And I'm now, sorry. And now he's had to kind of change his tune. But th- what, what Kurt's talking about is the right thing to do. That's what you do. You say, you know what? You're right, and we're going to fix it. You don't say... Well, no, it, not even, he doesn't even have to agree that they're right. The fact that there are all these allegations sure. out there, that doesn't mean the allegations are true, but they are allegations. And so... Point taken. He, yes, you're right. He's, he's taking the right step. He and the other leaders are taking the right step and saying... We're going to be proactive on this. We're not going to just sit back and either deny that it's happening or twiddle our thumbs. We're going to do something about it. And and I I applaud him and Qualm and Sutton and Hawley 
two Republicans, two Democrats mm-hmm. for doing that. And thanks to Deb Peters, because of her involvement in that national organization, they're going to get some quality people in here. They're going to talk about it. So, And it's anyway. not going to solve anything. Let's be serious, because these are these are human behaviors. And it's often not the behavior that gets you in trouble. It's the covering up. It's the denials. It's the rounding up the wagons. That's what the problem is in yeah. most cases, yeah. whether it's sexual harassment or, you know, embezzlement. So not okay. that there's any embezzlement going on. No, <laughs> no, no, not. Well, I don't think the legislature has been accused of doing no. any of that kind of stuff, but, but organizations beneath the legislature that have been affiliated with state government have got some problems. Yeah. yeah. We're going to take a very short break and come back and talk a little bit about city politics. How's that sound? We Ooh, the time one we of have my a, favorite yeah, subjects. I figured you'd like that. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 445 on the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO. It's quarter to five already. We just <laughs> yep. started. I know. You remember how this goes? Your day just flies by it was was really hard a couple of years ago when i went from full-time to part-time and we cut the show back to an hour mm-hmm. and dan will tell you that first couple of weeks that we after we went from was it three hours down to one yeah down to one hour and uh, the the first first couple of weeks is like no <laughs> i'm just getting warmed up come on let's keep going i'll do it for free wait no i won't do it for free yeah well, that's cool. It's been fabulous having you here, but we really, uh, we need to talk about city politics. Yeah. What do you First want? First of all, mayor's race. Now you're, you're, uh, are you a Jolene supporter? Jolene Letcher. You I like Jolene. Okay. I like Jolene Letcher. You're I, in one of her video ads. I know I am. Ads. I know I am. I like Jolene Letcher. She sought me out uh, when she decided that she wanted to run. She picked my brain. Other people have done the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm on a first name basis with most of the people that are running mm-hmm. and I like them all. Mm-hmm. I really do. There's, there's not a, I think they're all pretty strong. Each of them brings a, their own skill set to the mix of things. So it's not like I don't like any of them. I just, my personal opinion at this time is that she's got the right stuff. She's, she's clearly very intelligent. She's got a vision. She's got good ideas. She's high energy, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And in, at the risk of sounding really egotistical, she reminds me of me when I ran in 74. And that is you got good ideas. You got high energy. You want to make the place better than it already is. And it was good back when I ran in 74. It's good now. She's got some ideas mm-hmm. on making it better. And I like her ideas. But you like you like other candidates as well. Oh, you yeah. Just, that's, uh, yeah. You have an affinity for her as yeah. a as what she's doing right now yeah and it's it's not that she it's not it's not that she's a she although that's going to play a factor there's no it's, way around for it. some people it's going to but she's there's good ideas there and mm-hmm. there's good energy there and and i like that yeah. and the fact that she's young most of the other candidates are close to my age mm-hmm. give or take a little bit and that doesn't mean that they're not good people and wouldn't make a good mayor but it's i just the idea of having somebody Young, married with a young child, business owner, business owner, yep. savvy with peer. Mm-hmm. Clearly, she's savvy with that. Some tragedies in her life that she's done a great job of overcoming and and thriving and helping other people thrive as a result. I like that. Yeah. So that's where I'm at. Uh, the other. So basically, 
with all due respect to Kenny Anderson Jr., there's two halves of this election. And as people look at it, I can do this. It's my show. I can handicap these things. The You've got uh, Greg Jamison, Paul Tenkhaken, and Jim Eneman. And as a lot of people look at it, those three guys are fighting for, and I could be totally wrong about this, but those three guys, all middle-aged white Republican guys, business people, are fighting for that other spot in the runoff against Jolene. Now, that's surprising to me now that I say that because I didn't say that a month ago. See, and I would and I would put Kenny Anderson in that same group because Kenny has been around for a long time. He has His been family yes. has a good name, a good reputation. Kenny is extremely intelligent. He's well-versed. He knows his stuff, just like Jim Eneman, just like Ten Haken, just like Jameson. They're all good people. So I think those four, plus the, the couple of the other ones, they're going to split up the same vote. And I think Jolene has a pretty good shot at making the runoff. I do, too. And, and if she makes the runoff, she's got, in my humble opinion, an excellent chance of becoming our next mayor. I was skeptical. Um, just because I was surprised, I think, when she announced. It took me completely by surprise. And since then, uh, she's got a really strong social media strategy, a really strong digital strategy in terms of getting her message and out. And she's everywhere. She reminds She's she a little bit like Huther when Huther was campaigning yeah. the first time. She's everywhere. I've seen her three, and I haven't been at many events. I'm mm-hmm. not out in the chamber mm-hmm. circuit, party circuit anymore, but um, or event circuit. I shouldn't say party circuit. Sorry. Um She's everywhere. Yeah, she is. I mean, a lot of, so is Greg to a certain, you know, so, and, and now, and I, to, to look at, when I look at each one of these guys and the other three are guys, Greg, very well connected, can raise money, knows what he's talking about. And if his family votes for him, he's got an edge because <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of Jamesons out there. Long tail in terms of city politics. Yeah. Uh, Jim Eneman obviously is extremely well connected, successful businessman, was in government long enough, people know who he is. Uh, uh, you know, he's likable, knowledgeable, got great connections, can raise money. Uh, uh, Paul Tenhaken, um, more because he has not been involved as much, he obviously is well-connected, got a, has a different constituency to some degree. That will mm-hmm. help him. Um, my my thing about Tenhaken is I always wonder about the degree to which people really understand the bandwidth that they operate in, meaning it seems like you know everybody mm-hmm. and that you have – incredible connections and he does but when you're jim eneman and you've been doing it that much longer you have that many more people you've had connection with yeah and i don't know and that's not a knock on Tenhaken at all i just wonder how much that's going to play into it where you've kind of got that old school jim eneman solid trusted guy that's going to coalesce some of that vote yeah it's going to be interesting to see how this plays out over the next couple of uh well the next couple of months and and what happens on the national scene, what happens with the economy, what happens with the stock market, and what happens with the legislature this year will have an impact on people's attitude mm-hmm. about their elected officials. And that will play out to some extent in April. Changing the subject just a little bit with Rick Noby, former mayor and former host of Viewpoint University, the uh, city council has been has seemed much more aggressive, and obviously you're not here all the time, but you've been back now for a while. Yeah. Do you get the sense that there is, and it's not just because Teresa Staley is loud, okay, or she's aggressive, or whatever you want to call mm-hmm. it. They do seem more 
trying to forge their own path, which drew a response from uh, Joe Kirby the other day in a letter to the editor that's saying, tamp it down, counsel. That's not what you're supposed to do. Is that what they're supposed to do? They're supposed to be, they're supposed to be friction, not animosity, but friction between the executive branch, i.e. the mayor and the administration and the council. They're not supposed to agree on everything. The council is, in fact, there to set policy and to make sure policy that's set is followed. That's their job. Mm -hmm. I think there are some of them that that want to get into running the city more. And on that on that note, I think Kirby is correct. Um, so it, it's it is a fine balancing thing. I, I don't agree with Teresa Staley on a lot of stuff. I didn't agree with Kermit Staggers on a lot of stuff. Uh, this new crop of people that came in this last election are clearly marching to a different drummer than the previous mm-hmm. people were. And that's not necessarily wrong. You don't, I don't want eight yes people up there. No. I love a little contrarian conversation periodically. And that's not bad. I don't know if you paid saw the whole uh, flap over the uh, uh, the public input on the hotel and parking ramp. Um, it's getting to it's getting to sort of a critical point where there's forces at work, mostly the mayor, I think, that is trying to restrict that for efficiency's sake. I don't think he doesn't want to hear people's opinions necessarily, but he gets tired of it. <laughs> How would you handle public public input? on major policy issues. Okay, here's, thank you for asking me this, because this has been bugging me for a long time. This, the city council and the mayor should not allow that first 15 or 20 minutes for people to stand up and talk about whatever they want to talk about. That is absolutely wrong. It shouldn't be done. The, the people that show up at those meetings for rezonings, for annexations, for conditional use permits, for liquor licenses and stuff, they're on the agenda. Mm-hmm. They should be handled first. That's the respectful thing to do to the taxpayers. The, that free-for-all at the beginning should be at the end. What we used to do when I was in office we took care of the agenda. When we got through with the agenda, we always finished up with, does anybody have anything else for the good of the order? Mm-hmm. And people would stand up and they would talk about this, that, and the other thing, and it was just fine. But it didn't dominate the meeting. The meeting is about taking care of the public's business, the city's business. Now, as it relates to the droning on, mm-hmm. the simple way you do that is you set set the thing up and you just, just say, as the chair, as the mayor, if I start hearing, repeating the same thing over and over again, I reserve the right to say, we've already heard that. Thank you very much. And Set move the on. rules and move on. Yeah. Um, we're going to come right back for a very short wrap up with Rick Noby. This is the Patrick Lally Show on Information 1000 KSOO. 458 and a half. So we got just a couple of seconds with Rick Noby. Patrick, thank you very much for having me here. Dan, it was nice to be with you again. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas, and I hope you'll have me back again. Absolutely. You're going to come back before you leave. This is the Patrick Lally Show. Information 1000 KSOO with The Clash. Radio,